Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined in the studio here by Daniel Lowry. Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm actually, uh, as I was looking at that two shot, I just realized your head looks like it's right next to Vigo's crotch. So that's got to be a little disturbing for you. Yeah. Uh, so there's is. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the studio here, we had a, a, a YouTube uh, viewer the other day said, I didn't realize that that thing behind Peter normally is a puzzle. Not oh, yes. Vigo, but on the yeah, other side, Vigo, we've, got yeah. a, we've got a thing here. So, yeah, there's a lot of, of things in here that uh, the more you watch and the more you... Yeah, uh, it's it's like a Where's Waldo or something, yeah. right? Or like the uh, the thing in the newspaper where you had to find the differences. Yeah, exactly. Like a jumbled room. Well, and we pulled uh, one, uh, you know, little piece of memorabilia off the shelf here to put on the table with us. This is the, the TARDIS from Dr. Is it Dr. Whom? Do- yes, I believe, I believe that, that is correct. Yes, and that is because uh, our good friend Don Pizzette is over in uh, foggy London town. Well, East well, yeah, London. Yeah, somewhere but, uh, around whereabouts. Don, are you with us? I am coming at you live from Dartford, um, which I think is actually in Kent. Sure. In the UK. <laughs> How many countries are in this country? Of where I'm at. So that's a city within a uh, area, within a that's nation, a, within a. That's what made uh, me think it was that kingdom. Ted Lasso. He said, "How how how many countries are in this country?" They're like four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yep. Coming over from uh, you know a few hours ahead of you guys. I'm five hours in the future. Oh, what's it like in the future? Yeah, that's crazy. Flying cars. Yeah, it sucks. Walking Dead, <laughs> or is it like you know zombie Walking apocalypse? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, my Delorean here. I'll, yeah. I'll meet you. That would be funny if like the you know you have a Back to the Future zombie spoof where they go into the future and it is the Walking Dead. Yeah, they're like Whoa, reverse. <laughs> then, yeah. You know, it, the Delorean comes back to 1985. It's full of zombies. <laughs> well, that's why you you had the hover conversion, so you don't need to be oh, on yeah. the ground. Like, Honey, we're not landing this here. <laughs> Unless it's far enough in the future where all the zombies have jetpacks. Yeah. Oh, and then you're, that would you're suck. But, hey, uh, Do you remember the Simpsons oh. episode where they mess with the toaster and it yeah. keeps making Homer jump around through different realities? Yep. And, I do remember that one. Uh, I love when he's trying to get back because, and he finally like, oh, I think it's great here. And then like uh, something was different. So he left, and as soon as he leaves, it starts raining donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, "Oh, it's raining again." That would have been the one. at the end. The kids have lizard tongues, and yeah. he goes, "Eh, close enough." Yeah, get close enough. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. One. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the news because there is a lot to cover uh, from this past week. Uh, the first article comes to us from itpro.com. Dropbox adds end-to-end zero-knowledge encryption with the acquisition of Boxcryptor assets uh, so that Boxcryptor technology will be embedded into Dropbox to improve security for business and enterprise users. So obviously I'm very familiar with Dropbox, but I, I don't know much about Boxcryptor. So uh, can you give us a, a rundown, Don, of, of what that sure. is? So, you know, one of the challenges a lot of people have with Dropbox is the fact that technically – Dropbox staff has access to your files and information. So, you know, you set up a private account, you upload your data into their system, their staff can access it. It's not end-to-end encrypted. So they have the encryption keys that allow them to encrypt and decrypt your data. 
So if you have highly sensitive information or if you have uh, you know, a requirement of a certain level of privacy that you're trying to meet, Dropbox might not be able to be the solution for you. Well, with what they've acquired here from Boxcryptor, it allows them to provide end-to-end -end encryption, which is where you encrypt your files prior to uploading them into the Dropbox cloud. And that means no one at Dropbox can decrypt and access your files, right? They could ac access the encrypted files, but not decrypt, which is kind of what, what matters. And then on your other clients, as you download and sync, well, it decrypts and you have access to your data on the other endpoint. So it's a great way to know, hey, if I'm going to put my data up in the cloud, it'll be private and I don't have to worry about uh, nefarious insider attacks or whatever. Now, I'll say that I'm, I'm surprised it took Dropbox so long to do this because there's so many other ways where you can do it. In fact, I've been doing it for years with a product called Cryptomator. And Cryptomator is free. Anybody can use it. And it works exactly the same way as Boxcryptor. Uh, I, I don't know if you caught in the headline there where it mentions they're doing this for business and enterprise users. So if you're a home user, well, screw you, you're on your own, right? But for anybody, business, enterprise, home, you could use something like Cryptomator and do the same thing. So this is great news for uh, the end user, but it's terrible news for um, you know the the employees at Dropbox who who you know like to spend their spare time um, you know going through our files. But is this <laughs> is this something that is turned on by default or will be, or do we know that yet, or, or will you have to to toggle that on if you're an enterprise or business customer? From, from what I've read so far, it'll be a manual thing that you have to turn on in the beginning. Long term, they may change it, but there's some, there's some challenges they run into. Like, you know, normally Dropbox will store file revisions. So if you modify a file, then they keep track of that so you can revert to it. Well, very difficult to track if a file's been modified when it's encrypted and, you know, how, how big of a change it was and so on. So a lot of that stuff gets lost when you, when you set up a feature like this. So that's why we expect it to be manual turn on in the beginning, just because people aren't ready to lose features over it. But over time, they'll find workarounds to be able to get all that stuff enabled. We'll have to see what happens. The, the big benefit to Dropbox as a company is if they ever get breached, so if hackers ever get into Dropbox's servers, if everybody is using this and encrypting their data end to end, that, that whole zero knowledge piece, Dropbox has zero knowledge of the data that they're storing. They have no way to decrypt it. So even if they get breached, your data stays safe. And they can come out and say that. and say, well, yeah, we got breached, but don't worry, your data's safe. Right now, they can't say that. If somebody breaches Dropbox, they could potentially access your files and information. So that's something they're trying to get, get ahead of. So the, the other companies out there, um, you know, like, like Google Drive or, um, or SharePoint or things like that, uh, do those already do this? Uh, or is this kind of a standard in the industry that most people are encrypting that and it just Dropbox was the outlier? So Google Drive, as far as I know, Google Drive does not offer it. Uh, OneDrive offers it through a really convoluted way. It's not an easy end user thing. So this, yeah. as yeah. far as I'm aware, would be the first easy end user type solution, but they're not rolling it out for the regular yeah, end users. They're rolling it out on the business accounts. But uh, if you ever have a chance to mess around with Cryptomator, it, it just takes a couple of minutes to set it up and it works really well. So I, I suspect we'll see the other providers falling in line pretty quickly. Well, it's all fun and games till I lose that uh, encryption key. And <laughs> Yeah, let and me tell you, I've actually done access. that before. Yeah. That's fun. I use a uh, product called Mega, mega.nz. And back when I signed up for it, it was like 50 gigs free. And I think now I'm just looking at it as like 20 gigs for free. But Wait, is that the storage place or the, the encryption? Like 
It does both. Oh, okay. So the the store it gives you fifty gigs right now. It's twenty gigs. It gave me fifty gigs when I signed up originally, of um a free storage, but it's all end to end encryption. You have the encryption keys. They have zero knowledge, and they're like, "Don't lose those," because there, yeah. there's no going back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, that, that's actually the reason. That's the reason why they had to reduce the amount of storage they gave you. Is uh, when when they can see your files, they can do data deduplication, right? So, like, if you store a Windows 11 ISO image in your folder, and there's a hundred other customers at the same image. They can just store it once and, and, and consolidate space and they can give you high levels. But if you do end-to-end encryption, they can't look at it and know what that is. They don't know it's a Windows 11 ISO image. So they lose the ability to do data du- duplication. And that means they got to pay for more storage. That's a big challenge for them. Uh, on a side note, Peter, you didn't recognize Mega.NZ, but you probably remember uh, their CEO, whose name was Kim.com was a controversial <laughs> figure yes. who was uh, running from the law. I think he did finally get arrested. Yeah, and that's the uh, guy that you work that with? I don't work with him. No, wait, I mean, you you support <laughs> him? I've never met the guy. Uh, He's I the godfather of Or do I support him? I use a free service. <laughs> He's the godfather of what? Tom? Of my children. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say That's of, like, not true, by the way. Spam anybody was listening. Um, yeah, this he, guy. he was in the running, but he didn't make the cut. Uh yeah, what was that guy into? It was like uh, honestly, I hadn't heard about this. <laughs> I mean, he was like a big time spammer or robocaller or something, right? You like, say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I think the main thing was that people were uploading a ton of pirated content to uh, Mega. Oh yeah, that's right. I knew, I knew Mega about had a that. different name originally. Did it? Um, but uh, he was saying like, "Hey, it's it's not our fault. The customers are uploading it." But they they kind of went after him and. Uh, and then he was, he was absconded from in Justice. New Zealand, like fighting extradition or something. Oh yeah, mega upload arrest and extradition proceedings. You should move your data. Oh, I don't have a lot of stuff. There, I'm just saying. I, I was like 50 free gigs, baby. Well, That's what's up. <laughs> I, and and mega today is entirely different. Like it is a oh, legit okay. service now. And, so there. You know, sometimes just like just like Napster, you know, Napster yeah. was for stealing originally, but now look at it. It's a highly reliable file sharing protocol used by. Tens of people all around the world. Yeah. Ooh, there are extradition uh, proceedings going on to to get this dude out of Auckland and over over here. To, Man, we should do this as an article, rise. right? Yeah, well, I'm, I know what I'm doing. This yeah, yeah. I'm what's going on next week? Uh, stay tuned for part two. Kim.com. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so you guys, you guys don't remember? No, I, I totally remember. Dude, that, I have but, I have no oh, okay. knowledge of this at all. Yeah, I re- I remember when when the arrests happened and kind of reading a backstory, but. Obviously, there's a lot that's happened since the arrest in terms of you know extradition stuff and and it going through the court. So I'd I'd like to like to catch up. Yeah, see how he's doing. Let me we, know. We were talking. Uh, yeah. Daniel and I were talking before the show about um, John uh, McAfee, and this is maybe the next. Yeah, could be the next John McAfee. <laughs> you know, he's setting his sights high. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, end-to-end encryption and all that with your your stuff when we have to talk about <laughs> LastPass. Um, but next up, we're going to go over to the Washington Post, uh, and this one is Web Browsers Drop Mysterious Company with Ties to U.S. Military Contractor. And the, the company in question here is TrustCore Systems. And and Don, Daniel and I were talking a little bit um, you know, before you came on uh, about this seems like a, a tinfoil hat kind of article as you peel back the layers of it because it 
it kind of starts off saying like, hey, they, they removed this thing because it has ties to the government. We're like, well, the, the government's cool, aren't they? And then yeah. the further <laughs> down you went, uh, it, it got weirder and weirder. So can you fill us in? You know, it, it, it did get weirder and weirder. <laughs> uh, I, I remember the early days of the internet, and, and you know, we're, we're all about the same age, so you guys probably remember this too, but uh, back when Internet Explorer was its own unique thing and Firefox was still relevant, and you, know, you, you could go into your browser and you could take a look at what root certificates it trusted. And back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, you'd see about 20 companies, 20 companies that were trusted by your browser by default to issue certificates. And they were usually big companies you had heard of, people like VeriSign, Thought, uh, DigiCert, the, you know, the companies that are really known for certificates. But every now and then you'd see some weird ones that were in there, companies that you didn't recognize. And well, you would just have to trust that in the case of Firefox, it's Mozilla, that Mozilla did background checks and all that to make sure they they were worthy to be in the list. Or in the case of Internet Explorer, that it was Microsoft that did the checks. Well, today, if you go into your browser certificate store, you'll find where there's way more than 20. There's over 100 different trusted root certs in most modern browsers. And many of the companies that are listed in there you've never heard of, have no idea who they are, where they are, and we trust our browsers to manage that for us. Well, that doesn't always work out. And that's what we're seeing here in the ironically named TrustCore company, <laughs> where I, I've always assumed that it was really hard to become a CA that's trusted by default by a web browser. Turns out it isn't. It's not, not that hard at all. Uh, it must just be a matter of paying some money or talking to the right people. But in this case, we had a company that uh, is a root CA trusted by browsers across the world, and they were doing some nefarious activity under some shell companies. So basically there's a, a group of entrepreneurs that have five or six different companies doing different things. One of them got them in a little bit of trouble and that was a uh, Android malware SDK, like some kind of ad delivery package that they had that developers could embed in their applications and it would send the user's information, the Android user's information back to servers without the user's authorization. So that, that's bad. And that got found out. Google pulled those apps from the app store. Problems done, right? Well, researchers kept digging and learning about, wait a minute, this company is tied to this other company, is tied to this other company. They've got some big government contracts. And then, whoa, they're tied to TrustCore. TrustCore is a root CA. Here's a root CA that's doing some nefarious stuff. Why should we all trust them by default? Hundreds of millions of people across the world trust them by default. and so. They have had their certificate yanked, and the browsers have been kind of dropping it one by one. And it's uh, uh, pretty fast action. Once the reports came in, the browsers took action within a day or two. And, Daniel, you were saying uh, the, the company seemed to be based out of a, a UPS store. Oh, yeah. They said the official <laughs> like uh, place of business was in Canada at a UPS Dropbox. That's so, yeah. I mean, that seems legit. I mean, it, a lot of companies you know, are. You just need a place to get your mail. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> There, there were a number of problems, though, like even let, let's assume the best, right? So let, let's go with Peter's version there. Like they just needed a P.O. box. And so that's what they registered. Plenty of companies do that. But CAs have to be audited. They were audited by a company in the U.S. that wasn't authorized to audit 
Canadian companies. Ah. And so, you know, they, they were already kind of in the red there in trouble, but they also misleadingly would label their company as being based in Phoenix or based in these different cities. They had names that would change out as far as who the leadership was, who's on the board. There was just a lot going on that is not something that you'd want to trust by default. There, there are mistakes that a small company can make, and you say, oh, it's just a small company. It's not that big of a deal. But when they're a trusted root CA, like that, that's a big deal. In this case, trust was misplaced. Now, every article I've read has really been calling out the Trust Core company. But I think we also needed to put a little bit of blame here on Google, Mozilla, Apple, Microsoft, these companies that are the ones who added TrustCore to the list. Like, how much vetting, how much background checks are they doing on these companies that are adding into this list? The, the check cleared, Don. <laughs> it was basically <laughs> that, that was the vetting system. It was a pinky swear. They, they said, yeah. we pinky swear that yes. we are legit. I mean, what more do you need, man? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I threw that challenge out the other day that we should take uh, computers to Black Hat, Black Hat and, yeah. and see how long, they or DEF CON, whatever, yeah. and see how long they last. Uh, I kind of want to throw out the challenge, like, Let's see what it takes. Can we get our own root CA trusted? But I bet we'd have to write a check that I'm not ready to write. I almost guarantee <laughs> that's the case. Mm. Yeah. Well, it will bounce. But let's see if <laughs> yeah. that works still. Yeah. Uh, well, as right. I say, good year on this check. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, I get it now because yeah, it bounced rubber. There you go. Yeah. I'm glue. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our next article here from ArsTechnica.com. Hive Social turns off servers after researchers warn hackers can access all data. And this, to me, always not, felt not just like... Data has been accessed. All data. All data. Uh, all, data. all data ever. But this always <laughs> felt like my reaction. Like, if, I, if I'm if i sitting here in the office and I ever, like, click on a link and then go, oh, crap, oh, crap, that was phishing, I... I <laughs> Well, you can't just pull the cord out anymore because no, right, you know, it's done. So yeah. I think I would just throw my computer against the wall. <laughs> yeah. He just keeps a bucket of water next to his yeah. desk. <laughs> just <laughs> I think I fixed it. Well, this yeah. is basically the equivalent of I've been bit in the arm by a zombie. Let me cut my arm off. Yes, that's kind of what I, what they're going for here. Which is hey. it seems you know, to work every worked time. In, I've worked seen in The Walking it. Dead. Worked in The Walking Dead. I, I watched some horrible movie the other day on Amazon Prime. Uh, where it worked there as well. Oh, I'm going to need to know the name of that oh, flick. God, I, I'll, I'll find <laughs> yeah. it. But it, it was oh, it, it was Netflix actually. It was terrible. But uh, you know, is this is this a common practice for? Hey, I got hacked. Let, let's just shut shut it down. I I think this one's another example of a company that's way smaller than we think. Now, if you've never heard of Hive Social. I don't blame you. I hadn't heard of them either. <laughs> and they they have been a, a social media platform that's been experiencing really rapid growth, right? So there's a lot of people leaving Twitter right now because of Elon Musk's activities and they're going to other places like Mastodon and apparently Hive Social. They've over doubled their user account base in the last month. So a lot of activity. Uh, I think it's 2 million users or something like that. So pretty decent sized user base. That's a lot of people that are in there. Well, they got a notification that there was a vulnerability on their website that allowed an attacker to gain access to everything. It was not like I got to get a foothold and leapfrog here, leapfrog here. The foothold then gave you access to everything. And, and so that's pretty bad. Their reaction was just shut the system off, turn it all off, right? Now, if Facebook or Microsoft or Twitter, if they have a breach and they get a breach notification, they don't shut their server off. Right? They, they, they keep running. They try to isolate the problem and go through triage and all that mess. But if you're a small company, 
maybe it makes more sense just immediately cut it off. But I, I wanted to ask Daniel about that because if you're doing the forensics on this to try and figure out what they accessed and so on, I know that a lot of hackers try to live off the land, try and do things in memory. So when you unplug, you power down that system, aren't you giving up a lot of your forensic data? You absolutely can. Like it, it really depends. It's kind of a, a one size fits one solution, whether or not you do you snatch the cables out of the wall and power down everything, or do you try to just do some form of isolation. All right, so isolate the network, put it on a different uh, VLAN, and then move that into some sort of sandbox environment. A lot of people will try to do that because, like you say, I don't want to lose everything. I want to start to monitor and analyze what is happening, how is this happening, because then you can gain more insights into maybe even doing attribution. Who is it that has attacked and breached into the system, and now we can you know, maybe even prosecute that person if we have enough forensic evidence. So yeah, there is some cost to benefit um, analysis that needs to be done on whether or not you just pull the plug on this. I would assume that the people over at, uh, what's this place called again, Hive Social, that they they probably did that to at least some extent. And maybe they just came to like, it's easier just to shut everything down. We're not worried so much about whether or not we have been breached. And maybe they're like, I didn't read whether or not it said that they had uh, evidence of a breach other than someone just let them know, hey, there is a problem. So maybe they weren't uh, so much worried about, oh, we have a breach that we need to forensically investigate. It's that we have a wide open gate, and we need to shut that gate. And right now, that would take so much time and effort that it would disrupt service anyway. So maybe we just we just pull the plug. We let our users know, hey, sorry, we weren't uh, you know expecting this level of growth. And because of that, we found some growing pains. We're going to have to shut this down for a little bit. We'll be back ASAP, you know, what? because what else can you do at that point? Now, if they had evidence of a breach or they find evidence of a breach, they may be down for longer than they expected because now they've got to kind of do some forensic activity in the IR. Um, but um, other than that, I mean, I'm not – here's the thing, right? None of us – I mean, unless you're listening and do work at Hive Social, none of, none of us in this room or, or in, in uh, Dartford work at Hive Social. We don't know what goes on internally. We just have to assume that they're doing what they think is the best thing to do at this point in time. And it's anybody's guess on whether or not that's correct. Will uh, history <laughs> will be the judge of that, I guess. I don't want to want to chuck them under the bus for their security practices or say they're right or wrong because I don't know the extent of what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, to Don's point, he is correct. You very well may lose some forensic detail if you just snatch the plug on this thing. Yeah. Sorry we burned so the building So while down. you were talking yeah. – <laughs> Go ahead. While you were talking, I, I did a little uh, background research on Hive Social just to see what's what. Uh, back in 2017, they raised $3 million to create Hive Social. Uh, so there's a little bit of funding involved. So now you've got uh, probably private equity or venture yep. capital or something like that. Uh, they did another round of funding just last year and raised apparently $300,000, which is Woo. not a significant amount in, in terms of like Silicon Valley, social media impact, whatever. Uh, but it does mean that that there's some money invested in the company. If this was a startup, this could potentially kill the product. Like yeah. at this point, you just leave the servers off and call it a day. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see, apparently they waited more than 72 hours to respond to the, the vulnerability assessment. Was that GDPR so, violation? Well, in their defense, it was that, the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, so, 
You're not going to come in. So if they have European customers, they're going to have some big liabilities there. And I'll be curious to see where that goes. But somebody put $3 million into this thing, so they probably won't want to just let it go. So they'll probably try and bounce back. But, man, it it can hurt that reputation to have a a breach like this right in the early days. Well, you know, I say the early days of the company, but they raised money five years ago. So. Yeah, I said it had a million, mm. right? A million subscribers, and then it jumped to two million with uh, yeah. the you know people abandoning Twitter or whatever. Yeah. So I, I just love the idea of uh, so why did you wait seventy two hours? Oh, it, it was Thanksgiving, <laughs> and uh, so. I, I was on a tryptophan coma. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I can't be held responsible for that. <laughs> I had to go to Best Buy. Yeah. Get a TV. <laughs> um, by Gotta the way, Black Friday deals. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I I looked up. Uh, I looked up that movie. It is called Blood Red Sky, um, and I thought it was terrible. It it got eighty percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, fifty seven percent audience score. But if I'll just read you the one sentence real quick, uh, it's a thriller about hijackers um, taking over a plane. Only surprise: one of the passengers is secretly a vampire mom. <laughs> I don't know why they had to say she's a vampire mom. You could just say she's a vampire. That's yeah. the bad part. Well, I mean, you know. But yeah, it wasn't, she's it wasn't not crazy. just defined as a vampire. That's true. She's right. so much more. She's so much more than that. Doesn't just yeah. That's right. That makes sense. Don, what is the? Is there an equivalent of Black Friday over there in the UK? They have I a, have no idea. I didn't, uh, I didn't know if it was happening while you were there or anything. Yeah. No. Do, do they use the same days of the week as us? Is it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have metric days of the week. Yeah. yeah. No, they're I all. Na- that, yeah, they went back to the standard system. <laughs> but right? they're all named after royals. It's like today's yeah, Victoria, yeah, tomorrow's. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Edward. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one here from ArsTechnica.com. Samsung's Android app signing key has leaked. And, That's bad. not surprisingly, is being used to sign malware. That didn't take long. I wonder what the time was between the leak and just the flood of Can you malware. imagine being that hacker that it's like, oh, it's a key. Holy shit, it's <laughs> Samsung's key. <laughs> and then like, yeah. I've got it. Yeah, hackers unite. Yes. What what happens in a case like that? Like I know if that happened to my home, I would have a locksmith come out and rekey it. Uh, is that metaphorically the same process here? Well, so yes, they they can they can revoke the certificate and issue new ones. Now, there's a lot of challenges that fall into this. Uh, the main one being Android phones are not the most reliable for being updated. So. Whether or not the phones will pay attention to that certificate being revoked is a whole different story. Some people, like Samsung and Google with their Pixel phones, are really good about updating it. But what the what the headline glances over is that this didn't just affect Samsung. They also found compromised keys for LG and MediaTek as well. Now, MediaTek you might not have heard of, but they make the processor for a lot, or the system on a chip, the SOC, for a lot of Android phones. Uh, so you'll see them in a, a ton of set-top boxes and things. So this is not limited just to Samsung. It's kind of interesting that we could have so many high-profile companies have their signing key stolen, and we just now hear about it, right? Yeah. So I think there's a bigger problem. So what, what actually happened here is that Google has a, uh, a group inside of the company called the Android Partner Vulnerability Initiative, and they were doing research and found these basically compromised keys. They released a list that was hashed, and the people over at ours were able to run that against Virus Total to figure out the companies that were in the list. And so they found Samsung, LG, MediaTek, and a handful of others. So 
that means there's some bigger problem here. Now, this could end up being like where we just had an instance of this a few weeks ago where it wasn't the company that got hacked. It was a subcontractor they were using and the subcontractor leaked out the keys. This could end up being something like that because Samsung, LG, MediaTek, I'm sure they all have deals with AT&T, Verizon, so on. So any of the telcos could have been compromised that maybe had that key used for deploying images out to systems. But what it means for you, the end user, is if you download an app from outside of the App Store, right? So if you download from the Google Play Store or, well, this doesn't affect iOS, but the, the Google Play Store, then you know it's, it's safe. It's coming from Google. But if you go to F-Droid or any other place for downloading the APK files for installing an Android app, and it says it's signed by Samsung or it's signed by LG, well, right now, you can't trust that. You can't trust that that is signed the way that it is. If you stick with the regular traditional Google Play App Store, you're fine. But there's plenty of people that go and look to get APKs from other sources, and that's where you're in danger. But there's a bigger issue here, which is how did so many of these companies get their key leaked out? And we'll likely find that there's some, some kind of subcontractor that they were all using, or one of the telcos will be at the heart of this one. Well, how about them apples? <laughs> but if you're using a, a Huawei or ZTE phone, oh, you're, you're screwed already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the the Samsung malware now has to compete with those malwares. Yeah, and the <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll fight it out, but yeah. they're not focusing on your data. That's they're right. Focusing on That's each right. other. You, you get them conflicting with each other. Safety first. That's right. Well, it's a good day to, to be an iPhone user. Indeed. So, Don, why doing that? So, I was reading this article, and it seemed like, they're still using this key. Like they understand that it is compromised and they're still continuing to use it. It still works in the lock. Why are they doing that? Well, so from their perspective, so let's say you're Samsung, yeah. right? And you say, hey, look, we distribute our apps pre-installed on your phone and we do all of our updates through the Google Play Store. So we don't care. If you choose to go and download APKs from other sources, that's your own problem. You take that risk and you go with it. But as far as what they're doing, they're doing is safe and secure. So why bother? That's that's how they look at it. It's, so it's, it's a breach that's it's not, not really a breach? What well, is? you know, it, it's not trivial for them to change it. Okay. And, and they, they should. They should go and, and cycle those keys out. They've got a way to do it. It just it takes work. Okay. And so they're looking yeah. at it as, you know, what's the real risk here? And they just don't see the risk as being high enough. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's like, you know, would Apple do something to support someone who had jailbroken their phone? Yeah. Maybe. So you, uh, you honestly made me start thinking about that stupid risk matrix chart that we have to show in every risk and risk management show that you know how much I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's apparently here is the relevant, right? Because they're looking at likelihood versus impact. And they're like, well, it's pretty low on those spectrums. So yeah, versus the no effort, big deal. Yeah. The effort to change it. Interesting. I I watched a documentary a while back. It was super cynical. And it was talking about uh oh shoot, it was the the Pinto, I think. What was the half car, half truck? Uh I think it was like the Ford Pinto or so, something. No, the the, the where, Ford Pinto was like um it was almost that had two versions of it. One was a station wagon, one was just a, a small hatchback. And it exploded right. when you yeah, flipped it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, if it got rear-ended, it exploded. Yeah, the so gas tank was like my, brother, my brother had one. <laughs> like we we found a way to put the gas in the rear bumper. Yeah, yeah. it's ingenious. <laughs> <laughs> but with the uh, the the people that I, I want to make sure I 
name the right company. So it was, was it Ford? Ford. Yeah, it was Ford. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they actually just ran the numbers and they said, okay, what would it cost for us to recall every one of these cars versus what would it cost for us to just settle with anybody who dies, like their families? Yeah. And they, they determined settle. that it would be cheaper to just settle with the families. They're like, look, anyone and affected so that, by this is already dead. That reminds, it's like Fight Club, right? <laughs> Remember he was doing the whole, like, if the, the cost of a recall is less than the cost of a, of a sell or our insurance claims, then we don't do a recall or the other way around. Right. Yeah. They, just, they just don't do it. And so that that's why we have to have consumer protection laws now to <laughs> step in and say, no, no, you don't, you don't get to do that, Matt. I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I think they had a meeting and they said, look, do we value the lives of people that would drive a car this ugly? <laughs> that is, you mean my, my brother? <laughs> it is an ugly car. It is hideous. He used to make fun of that thing. The only like positive thing about that car was it had a posse traction rear end. Yeah. And so it would hook up. I know about that. Pretty good. Well. My cousin Vinny. Yeah, that's right. You do. That's very good. That was like <laughs> other, you know, there was the whole exploding gas tank the thing. But, I mean, what's the odds, right? All right. <laughs> well, I I think we'll probably be seeing more about this one in Deja News in the future, uh, as we do find out how how all these um, keys were were maybe stolen and. And uh, we'll get some more information on that. Yep. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. Come back. We've got a couple more uh, news articles to get to on this special international edition of TechNative. The IT Pro TV app is available for iOS and tvOS. The modern user interface makes navigation easy. Recently watched videos can be found on the home screen, as well as our daily live streams. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Access the entire course library by clicking on the play icon. Navigate our content by category, certification, and job role. Learn where you want and when you want as a premium annual member by downloading episodes for offline viewing. Watch on the go and pick up later on any of your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. This is Kevin. He's studying online for a Microsoft certification and using another online IT training service. He's also on his second pot of coffee today to stay awake. And this is Kyle. He's also studying Microsoft but using IT Pro TV. Rather than watching a boring voiceover PowerPoint, he's actually enjoying the training with two hosts in an interactive format. Both Kevin and Kyle have access to virtual labs and practice tests, but Kyle can also get help through a live chat with other IT Pro TV members and his instructors, as well as post to a Q&A forum. He can even search for exactly what he's looking for in the interactive video transcripts, all while paying less than Kevin. Oh, and Kyle can also watch in comfort via Roku app. Kevin and Kyle are both learning IT. But Kyle is enjoying the journey. Want to be more like Kyle? Here are the plans to start your IT Pro TV membership today. All right, welcome back to TechNado. We got Daniel here in the office. We've got Don over in the UK, but still committed, committed to to making great TechNado content for you. And one day he'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're all committed. Right. We just haven't figured out the, hey, the formula. He keeps hoping. Yeah. What's the weather I, over there, Don? It's cold. It's, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's really cold over here. I hate you. <laughs> you know, coming from Florida, it's uh, 
anything's cold. It, well, it's all yeah. Celsius and stuff, so I don't even know what it means. Yeah, you're it's like, just, it's 30 oh, or something. I was just explaining this. So I watch a lot of survival shows, right? And you see these people, they get dropped into the Ecuadorian jungle or whatever, and they have to survive forever. How, how long? And I've always found it fascinating that it's 104 degrees in the middle of the day, and then a rainstorm comes, and it's 30. Yeah. And it's like, how the hell does that happen? We in Florida, we get rainstorms all the time. It does not drop 60 degrees yeah, in temperature. It goes up. Right? Yeah, it gets hotter. How did that work? I, I want that. I want the actual temperature to go down from time to time. Well, speaking, it would be nice. Speaking of metric and conversions and things, I I, uh, I asked one of the guys over there in, in that office, um, Don, to help me measure something for the trade show booth. And I was like, and I'm sorry, but can you measure it in American, please? Because <laughs> I need to order the parts over here. <laughs> And I don't know what your what your weird centimeters do. So I think they went back to the standard well, system. Well, they use like miles and stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So but they, now, but they still use centimeters. And, well, I mean that's been that's been yeah. their way of doing it for a while now. So I'd assume it's going to have to phase out. But technically, I think they went back to oh, you're saying standard measurements like officially. I like how we call it standard. Yeah, well, that's what it's called. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Because it's, it's the right SAE, way. right? Standard American Empire. <laughs> I believe that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> We're colonizing the colonizers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the student has become the teacher. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and take a look this week and find out who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right. Let's take a look. This one uh, comes to us from TechCrunch.com. Florida State tax website bug exposed uh, filers data. And it sounded like, to me, like it reminded me of like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off where they like get into the system and could just delete grades and, th- you know, things. <laughs> like what I want to know is, do I still have to pay my property taxes that are coming up? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, we, we are a little bit fortunate in that Florida doesn't have a state income tax. So this is a business tax website that's affected, so it's, it's really targeting business owners. Uh, but it is a amateur hour mistake. What, uh, what happened was a security researcher, hacker slash uh, security type person was taking a look at the site. Notice once you logged in that... In the URL for the website, once you were logged in, it had your company's ID number attached to it, you know, just as part of the URL structure. And he found that he could change that number to any other number, and it would allow him access to any other company's data. He, he might not know the right ID for the right company, but he could randomly plug in different ones and gain access to it. So what a lot of websites do is when you log in, you create an access token. The access token is stored usually on your own machine and in a state database that's part of the web service. And you're then provided access just to your accounts based on that token ID. But it looks like the Florida business tax website was just managing access based on having the right URL in place. Once you were authenticated, you had an access token to show as authenticated, but there was no authorization boundaries set for what accounts he could access. And I don't mean that he could just view the other accounts. He could actually modify and delete their data just by changing out the tax ID number in the URL, and off he goes. Now, this is something that anybody who does a secure software development lifecycle would know about to make sure you manage people's access and authorization. Uh, In this case, it looks like the developers of the website might have saved a buck or two and cut a few corners. Well, I assume this contract went to the development company with the lowest bid. And one way <laughs> to make your bid lower 
is by not doing all that security stuff. Yeah, you guys sound real judgy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I'm saying it's a, <laughs> it's a good way to get keep costs down. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, security, what, do we need that? So you don't blame them then? Right. Hey, they, you know, they, they did what they said they were going to do. Maybe. <laughs> I like how Dodd put this. This is like amateur hour. Like, this is the... The easiest thing to not do, and yeah, there, here we are. There it is. You know, we I teach this in different like you know uh, Pentest Plus and CEH and anything has to do with web application vulnerabilities. This is a uh, what's funny is it seems to have been kind of making a comeback here lately. These IDORs, um, because it used to be like that was the thing you went and look for. You look for cross site scripting and you look for. IDOR because they were like very low hanging fruit. And, you know, then website developers started really up in their game with the SDLCs and, and going, hey, we should probably stop allowing these things to happen. Let's do a little more robust coding practices. And and we saw a decrease. But now, like, IDORs, just in, at least in my feed, in my uh, experience, I've started to see more IDOR attacks lately and bug bounties coming up with IDOR. IDOR, IDOR. I'm like, wow, IDORs are really. Coming back in the swing of things, and here we are with the Florida State stacks, where you're just changing. And that's that's the simple part of it, because developers, maybe through um, uh, uh, bad assumptions and bad thought uh, processes, to think, well, no one will do that. No one will go up and change that. Or maybe if I just make that part of the request on the backside, where it's not really seen either in the URL, but it's it's all in the um, the post data of the of the request but if you have something like you know not i'm thinking burp yeah burp suite if you have something like burp suite or os app you stop that before it continues on to the web server and you can see there is the request there is that information what happens if i change one to two what happens if i change what if i change monetary amount you know price from ten dollars to one dollar or zero dollars add to cart or, add to carts <laughs> Oh, look, you did add it to cart for a dollar, and now I'm going to buy 40 of them for 40 bucks instead of 400. Let's see what we can do about shipping. Now. Yeah, yeah, let's get on to that. <laughs> well, I, I, my favorite here is the, is the last line in this article, which says, uh, when asked, the department said it had identified, quote, no signs of exploitation prior to this breach. But it, uh, but there would but be no. Signs. But it did not say if it had the technical means, such as logs, to determine if there was evidence <laughs> of prior exploitation or data exfiltration. So basically, that's like saying I didn't see anyone come in the door. Uh, the cameras are off. Yeah, I mean the web server is probably like logging every request that's made to the web application. So, but they would have to do the hard work of kind of going in there, creating some sort of regex for. If this and that, then no bueno, right? Mm -hmm. and, and kind of spit that stuff out. And they would have to do that. It would be some legwork. So it's possible, but off the top of the old dome there, they probably don't have those systems in place to do that. So, yeah. Well, I, uh, I put my trust in the Florida government <laughs> every day. You're still here. You know, Daniel, it was funny you mentioned Burp Suite because when you mentioned IDOR, the first thing I do is like, Google what the hell that stands for. And, <laughs> and the second response, the second response is uh, from Portswigger, the people who make burp suites. So like they, they specifically search for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you find that and then you can find yourself on the end of a nice little bug bounty and uh, yeah, report that back. So if you do find these things, hopefully the person, I mean, this did seem like that's what this was. Some researcher was like, Hey, I've discovered a flaw. I need to let you know about this. And Honestly, yes, this is low-hanging fruit. This is something that definitely... And who knows how long ago this application was coded. And, you know, 
We kind of go through the idea of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's working. No one has reported a problem before. So it it slips through the cracks. Yeah. This is why they need to do pen testing, right? There you go. That would have caught that pretty easily. Have a good bug bounty program, and you can catch these things. And and when you look for a good pen tester, you make sure you pick the one with the uh, the lowest bid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah, five hundred bucks. Would the, would the lowest pen te- the lowest bidded pen tester be better than no pen tester at all? Uh, there's a there's a debatable <laughs> question, right? No, because you would have confidence afterwards that we've we're safe. We've had a pen test, but that's on you. That's well, not the pen test. I think that's side. worse than no pen test at all. Because There's, if you have no you pen test, you start to at all, see the complexity there. At least paranoid. Yeah. yeah. It's like Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's <laughs> pen tester. <laughs> are we safe or are we? <laughs> we are both at the same time. Yeah. Is there a quanta to be measured here? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a look at, uh, at one more uh, article here today in our next segment, which is Deja News. Deja News. All right. This one comes to us from PCMag.com. I alluded to it earlier. LastPass suffers another data breach, and this time customer data is affected. So we talked, I mean, what, it was like two weeks ago about about a, a LastPass breach, but they said, no, no, everything's encrypted, and, and what, what do you call the policy? Zero or no? Zero knowledge. Zero knowledge. Yeah, we can't see the password, so even if they got in, you know, they're just getting a bunch of, you know, hashed stuff. So how how... Did that change? Well, so what happened in the previous incident was that hackers gained access to a development environment for LastPass. So they did get access to LastPass source code and some other engineering information about the product itself, but they didn't get access to customer data. It was a dev environment. Customer data was kept out of it, so that's how things are supposed to work. And so it was embarrassing for LastPass, but at least the customers weren't affected. However, like we find with a lot of these attacks, Sometimes it takes a little while to figure out what's going to happen going forward. And unfortunately, in this case, what happened is the attackers were able to use some of the information they got from the dev environment to locate storage that was being used. And, and they didn't name the provider, but it's, it's almost guaranteed to be uh, Amazon S3. And so they were able to locate some cloud storage that was used by the product and access it. And it did have customer data, including customer key vaults in it. That's bad, right? So we, you know, obviously you want to trust a password manager, and if they somebody gets access to your password vault, that that's a problem. But just like in the Dropbox article, we were talking about that zero knowledge. LastPass has been doing zero knowledge for a long, long time. They don't store your master key, so they can't unlock your vault. LastPass staff cannot see your passwords, and so if an attacker gets in and gains access to your vault, well. They can't really do anything unless they have that master key. And if you've got MFA turned on, then that's a second level on top of that. So that means you're pretty safe if you're affected. But the big risk with any kind of thing like this is what if an attacker gets a hold of your vault today and just sits on it and waits? Maybe they wait 10 years. And 10 years from now, computers advance to the point where they're able to potentially break that master key and gain access to your vault. What are the odds of you having some same passwords 10 years from now? Well, for a lot of people, the odds are, <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. I tell you that so, right now. So that's, that's what people run into, and that's where this is kind of a dangerous thing. So uh, LastPass is 
as always, being really transparent about it. They're sharing the information. We are hearing a lot of people starting to say, like, well, maybe it's time to move away from LastPass. Well, this type of attack could really happen to, to any of them. They all are taking steps to try and prevent these types of things. I, I, do, I do feel like uh, there's some information that's being put out that's not necessarily as reliable as it should be. So, for example, and I don't know if it was just the wording of this article or, or whatever, uh, where they say that, uh, let me see if I can find the actual quote so I get it right. Um, it says, in response to the new breach, LastPass has deployed additional security measures and monitoring of the company's IT infrastructure. Well, that's a really nebulous statement that could mean just about anything. But then it says, it's also contacted Mandiant and law enforcement about investigating the hack. All right, well, it contacted Mandiant. Now, I wonder if that was supposed to be contracted. Like, if you've actually hired Mandiant to come in and do the work, that's great. But if you just contacted them, like, hey, uh, can you give me a quote on what this would cost? We filled out a like, form that, that on their website. Actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They clicked a lead link and yeah, they're, they're expecting a demo any day now. So, so <laughs> waiting for a promo code. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're get that every Monday. Off, yeah. Yeah. Come on. So, so Don, you're saying, uh, you know, based on on you know the way that they store uh, their information, if if you wanted to just make sure you're 100 percent safe as a LastPass customer, if you went and you changed all your passwords, which in a lot of cases LastPass will do for you, which is a nice feature, um, you'd be fine then right? Yes, I suppose. Um, now, that can be a pretty daunting thing mm -hmm. for a lot of users. And I'm thinking about like myself, my personal, not my work one so much, but my personal LastPass, because I, I do use LastPass personally. And I've been using it for over 10 years. And so I've got over a decade's worth of passwords yeah. in there. So we're talking thousands of passwords. Yeah, you know, because I have accounts for damn near everything. And so it would be really challenging for me to go and change all those passwords. Not impossible, but just challenging. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? At least there's that zero trust and you've got some time. Like, uh, I don't know about you. So, so Don, I, I guess this is a question. I, Peter's already kind of tipped his hand that he uses the same password. What? LastPass is probably just like yelling at him daily like oh, you have the same password you can check the box to not everything show, not show notifications anymore <laughs> touche. another feature touche touche uh they should not have that box yeah. by the way <laughs> right but don when you create I'm, I'm sure you generate secure passwords using the last pass secure password generator function how large do you go like how long as far as a uh, a string do you use normally like what's your what's your average uh, so I usually do 16 unless the website won't accept 16. Really? Ah. So I do 30. Hold on, hold on. Both of you just made it a lot easier for people trying to crack your yeah. password because now they know. Well, not everyone. Even if you know it, like, do you know how hard it is to even with. I'm just saying it got a lot easier because yeah. I don't need to do 14 characters. I don't need to do yeah. 16 characters. You log Plus, right in there. you got to know that that's my password. Mm -hmm. to, right. This is just in a jumble of a database. Look, I'm just saying it got easier. Just a little bit. Well, then crack it. it. I, <laughs> I am an ethical person. I'm not going to do that. The real advantage of a password manager like that is it makes it super easy for you to have totally random passwords for each and every site. So the attacker would have to attack each individual site in LastPass. So it would just be right. be astronomical. Yeah. Plus, um, you use a I'm, different I'm trying password. to think of. Yeah. You're so trying to think of what, Don? Password reuse. Yeah. Don't do that. 
<laughs> fine. Peter. Oh, fine. I will I will read about Kim.com and change some passwords today. How's, how yeah. about that? There's your, what's on well, on Peter's plate today. Yeah, that's that's, that's the afternoon. <laughs> Don't mess with him. He's got his headphones yeah. on. He's changing passwords. I'm, I'm heads down. I'm on reading this big, about crazy people. Big project here. <laughs> All right, want to let you guys know about something coming up. We have uh, a very cool webinar that's happening, uh, what is this, today, uh, Thursday, December 8th um, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It's All Things Cybersecurity with Josh Mason. Uh, who, who is this Josh Mason character? Josh, he's uh, done these things like uh, the Cyber Supply Drop. He's very um, focused on veterans, mm -hmm. but he's a cybersecurity expert. He's uh, very... A veritable wealth of knowledge and experience. So we're going to do the whole come in and ask your questions. We're going to answer them live on air. So this is very much a you-driven type of webinar. This is what we do with all things cybersecurity is we open the door to allow people in real time to ask questions. And we do our best to answer those questions. And we've had some great, great times doing that. A lot of people getting a lot of really great questions answered. So we really enjoy when you as the viewer join us in that 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 environment asking some amazing stuff because it kind of enlightens us as well to like, oh, yeah, that's a really important thing to bring up. So we'd, we'd love to have you come and check us out. Josh is going to be great uh, as a guest. He knows what the heck he's talking about, so I highly recommend it. Well, I help filter those questions for that, so I think I might put in a couple of my own about why, why do I need different passwords, Josh? <laughs> yeah. do, is that true? Is this just Daniel <laughs> yeah. trying to make me have busy work? Fake news. Yeah. It's fake news. You don't need new passwords. So head over to <laughs> itpro.tv uh, slash webinars. You can register for that one. You can also see all the past webinars, including all of our other All Things Cybersecurity uh, webinars we've done, which, which have some great content. I uh, also want to let you know that uh, tomorrow, which is the 9th, we're going to be doing our um, 12 Days of IT giveaway live event at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that is on uh, YouTube Live, so just head over to the IT Pro uh, YouTube channel, and you can check that out because we have been uh, unboxing things for the last um, 12 days, and uh, now we are going to give them all away. So if you haven't registered to win yet, head over to itpro.tv slash 12 days. Uh, just fill out the quick form, and you are in to win. And uh, we're going to announce 12 different winners. Uh, I think it's going to be Sophia and I. We're going to do it right in this room, and we're going to uh, show off those items again and pick some winners and give them away. What's the one you're most excited about, or can we say? Well, I, I would uh, I would say the one that 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 people have been most excited about, uh, and that I think is kind of one of the coolest is the NesPi uh, Raspberry Pi case oh, wow. that looks like the NES. Oh yeah, uh, Nintendo. very cool, very cool. Because Don did a little special thing at the end. He said, you know, hey, I know. Uh, this is just the case, and it's impossible to get raspies right now. So I'm throwing one in, and he pulled one what? out of his pocket there. So uh, you've got the the case, you uh, sweetheart, you, uh, and it's full of malware already <laughs> that Don has loaded on it. Is that correct, Don? Uh, actually, I I formatted the SD card and threw RetroPie on it, so it should be like oh, ready awesome. to fire up as an emulator. But you know, the SD cards are cheap; you can buy your own, throw it in there. Um, yeah, I, I could have sold that on eBay for a pretty penny. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Kai over here in our Dartford office. He, or no, sorry, not Kai. It was uh, Blake over in Denver who had just ordered a Raspi. And he was like, yeah, I got it on Amazon. They were in stock. For like $300. I said, and I went and looked. $225. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I said, they're supposed to be $45. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they retail. Yeah. So, that's yeah. Insane. Wait, was that a personal Raspi of yours? Not a Not one from the company? 
Oh yeah, there's one of mine. Oh wow, one. Yeah, I would have sold it. It's yeah, the Christmas spirit. That is, yeah. It's My heart grew three sizes yeah. that day. That's right. <laughs> All the who's down in Whoville. Yeah, it was still undersized. Isn't there some, <laughs> isn't there some Grinch come uh, Grinch movie coming out where he's like a killer or two? <laughs> I know they've got that Santa one with the guy from Stranger Things. <laughs> Word. Oh yeah, that does uh, look violent night. Yeah, I, I, I want to see that. Yeah, it looks it really good. Looks very entertaining. It just looks fun. Yeah, heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you know, stopping. <laughs> yeah, heart stopping. Heart stopping. Uh, hey, last thing to let you guys know about: uh, if you uh, head over to technando.com, you can see all of our latest episodes. You can see um, uh, a little bit about us. You can send in some uh, some questions or or comments to us. You can also click mama the, jokes. Mama jokes. Your mama jokes about Don. Still accepting those always. Uh, and if we read them on the air, we will uh, send you a T-shirt. So that's that's true. How, when's the last time we gave that's away a, a T-shirt? So that's letting you know how many people have done that. So yeah, T-shirt. It's been a bit. All you have to do is submit. People have you forgotten. You most likely win one. Yeah, Don, Don's <laughs> mother is still so fat that we yeah. need to uh, <laughs> get like these completely these in. berate her. Yeah, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> uh, and mother's fat, a lovely one. I'm in fat <laughs> pH. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely one. Um, but uh, also click that big orange button in the corner that says sponsored by IT Pro, and you can get 30% off of your IT Pro personal membership. And you can also request a team trial if you are part of a group and find out um, the great features available to you. Get a demo uh, and check out uh, IT Pro for your team as well. So check that all out at technado.com. All right, Don, uh, when, when are you Are you back in, in America or are you just going to stay there now, do you think? Uh, I'll be here through the end of the week. End of the week. Okay. Yeah. Don has expatriated. Too cold. Well, I was shopping in his office here. I was like, if he doesn't come back, yeah, some of this stuff's going to my office. Well, it's all going on eBay. Yeah. It. So right now it's it's eight degrees Celsius. Although I think it should stand for eight degrees cold. That's what it is. Eight degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit is forty six point four. Forty. Not bad. Come on, man. But it's the middle of the day there. It's 46 degrees yeah. here when we wake up, and then it's 75 by lunch. Since the last time it was 46 degrees here? It was one day. Yeah, like for an hour. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So he's dealing with that yeah. nonstop. He's... I, I like the cold. Yeah. I enjoy the cold. I, I enjoy so, Don, it. if you want to relocate me and my family to uh, Dartford, I'm happy to do so. Oh, wow. You have to give up all your weapons. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, then? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Dartford of the West. Yeah, right. That's what they say. Uh, they have open carry there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can keep your knives. Walk down the street Absolutely. like Yosemite Sam. That's right. Wrecker, 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 wrecker. All right. Uh, on that note, thank you all for watching. Uh, thank you, Don, for joining us from afar. Uh, but we'll get you back in the studio here next week, and uh, we'll get we're get, getting close to those kind of wrap up shows. Going to have some fun here towards the end of the year. Uh, as always, so I, keep I predict predictions are coming. Predictions are coming. I I, I thought of a game too, where I'm huh. I'm uh, to tease it a little bit. I'm gonna uh, quiz you guys and see how much you've been paying attention to our own episode for the past year. Oh, well, I lose that. Yep, <laughs> which is why why it's entertaining. <laughs> Did we do an episode today? <laughs> we're doing it right now. Oh crap! Actually, no, we're not. It's over. Goodbye. We'll see you guys next week right here on Technado. <laughs>